1: Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition. We're talking Baker Mayfield. We're talking NFL draft and we're talking free agency coming up here on our podcast. Our Football Insider subscriber sent us the question. So if you want to get involved in Football Insider with the draft, I don't know if you can believe this or not, but it's two weeks from Thursday. Yes, that's right. The NFL draft is coming up very soon. You want to become a Football Insider subscriber before that, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Uh, also, look, make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, where, wherever you can get it. Search Orange and Brown Talk Podcast and get subscribed because last week we had, you know, an interview with Joe Thomas. We ranked our top 20 players. Uh, we're always doing different stuff. It's every single day, five days a week in your feed. So you want to make sure that you're getting this on your phone or however you listen to your podcast. So just get subscribed. Search Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Okay, Enough of hearing me talk about this. Now I'm going to ask Mary Kay questions that our Football Insider subscribers sent us on today's Orange to Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on a Tuesday edition of the Orange to Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Let's get right to it. Mary Kay, of course, people still asking us about Baker Mayfield. Uh, Not going to go away anytime soon, at least until Baker goes away. Uh, let's just start for it with Megan in Akron, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, do you see a scenario where the Browns just cut Baker?
0: You know, right now I don't because uh, if they do that, anyone can pick him up. Uh, one high sort of high level personnel exec told me that if they did that, that the Steelers would pounce on that opportunity and bring him to Pittsburgh. And basically, what you would be doing is paying his entire guaranteed $18.9 million dollar salary. So I don't see the wisdom in that. If you were going to uh, try to do anything at all and you could not move him or get rid of him at this point, I would hang on to him, uh, let him take up a roster spot into the season, you know maybe as the third quarterback or something like that um, and then uh, you know and then see if someone does have an injury. And they do get desperate and they do need to trade for a quarterback right now. The Browns have no leverage. The only thing that they would have a chance to do would be to uh, pay a bunch of his salary, which they don't want to do, take a really low, low draft pick, which they don't want to do. So uh, I I don't see them cutting him and I don't see them, uh, you know, paying, you know, half of his salary at this point.
1: So I want to talk a little more about because because I've been thinking about the, the idea of somebody getting hurt like in training camp or during the season and i'm starting to wonder how realistic of a possibility it would be that the browns would still be able to get something significant for bait like get something better then than they could now just because I, I can't think of a specific team but like if it's september does the team want to give up a second round pick to bring in a guy that doesn't know their offense that they don't really know that well I mean, we've kind of been over, you sort of had to design this offense specifically for Baker for him to be successful. Is, would, would that even be realistic or would a team just decide, you know what, let's go with our backup that's been here that knows the system that, that knows what we do?
0: You know, it's a great point and a team might want to do just that. The only reason why they wouldn't do that is if they don't have a very good backup and they lose their starter for the entire season. And they really felt as though they had an opportunity to make the playoffs, make a little bit of noise this year, and they don't love what they have at backup quarterback. I mean, Baker has taken a team to the playoffs, he has gone 11 and five, uh, he's been in big games. And he does have some merit. He's not a top five quarterback. He's not a bottom five quarterback. He's somewhere in the middle of the pack. And if you don't have someone that is up there in the middle of the pack that you feel really good about, uh, then maybe they would go ahead and do something. But I don't even think it's so much the draft pick as it is the money. And if someone had to wait five weeks into the season, uh, then by th- at that point, you have lopped some of the money off right? So you're getting him for whatever, 13 million instead of 19 million or something like that. So, uh, you know, so that's another consideration. I don't think the Browns are going to be trying to hold out for some high draft pick necessarily, uh, but to be able to get some cap relief, that could be significant for them. But again, as they move through the next few weeks, few months, whatever, uh, they have to weigh that against the distraction of having him around the draft pick he'll take up, the, you know, just the, you know, the intrusion on uh, training camp, if it comes to that. So, so many things to consider and not sure where it'll go just yet.
1: So I wanna to get to this other question. It comes from the 802 area code. It's a Baker uh, related question. Uh, Trust me, there's more than Baker in this podcast, but come on. We we don't have that much more time to talk about Baker Mayfield here on this podcast. So so we've got to use it, and people wanted to hear about it. So uh, from the 802 area code, uh, it's actually tie in Montreal. Hey, Mary Kay, if no teams acquire Baker before the season opener, does he have to take a roster spot in order for the Browns to protect their rights to him? And this, of course, is assuming Jacoby Brissett and Joshua Dobbs, who they signed, Over the week, actually signed on Friday, suit up for games. Would Baker also dress for games?
0: No, I don't see him dressing for games. I really don't. I mean, usually they only dress two, anyways. So I think that it will be um, whatever two uh, they have at the time. Uh, If Deshaun's not suspended, it would be Deshaun and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, If if Deshaun is suspended, it would be Jacoby and Josh Dobbs. I don't really see the Browns. Uh, playing Baker Mayfield per se or dressing him or any, or any of those kinds of things. But the truth of the matter is we really haven't had an opportunity to ask the Browns yet. What are your realistic plans for Baker Mayfield in the event that you have to keep him around for a while? Uh, it's the, you know, it's the big question mark and you know, Baker was supposed to appear on a pod and I know he taped it because I saw clips of him sitting on the couch Uh, with, with Mike, the podcast host from YNK podcasts and um, but it hasn't dropped yet. So I don't know if, if the Browns had some say in the matter and, you know, kind of discouraged him from releasing a podcast right now, or if his agents or his camp got involved and said, let's just kind of hold off on that a little. We don't want to jeopardize any possible deal that could happen leading up to the draft or on draft day. Um, but you know, there are still so many things that can happen and none of them seem ideal. All of them seem like they come with significant drawbacks and I find it very unfortunate that it really has come to this.
1: Yeah. I wonder if we're going to hear that pod here soon. Um, that this podcast only releases like twice a month so which must be nice, but it only releases like twice a month. And uh, I, I don't know, we, we might be coming up on a release date. So I don't know. I think that I don't know. I'm curious to see if that's still in the works or if you're right, like maybe an agent or uh, the Browns were like, hey, can we just chill on this for a little bit? Because we're, we're trying to get you somewhere where you want to be. Um, so we, we don't need you out there talking about this. I, I don't know how they would approach. It. I mean, they would have to give him. A ro- they would have to have him on the roster. You can't just practice squad him. And I don't know if they're going to have the same situation where they can protect guys on the practice squad this year or not. Uh, but you, I mean, you can't, you can't just stick him on the practice squad. He's got to be one of your 53 guys.
0: Yeah. And you know, there might be other things that you could do. I mean, you've got short-term IR right now, and he is coming off of a shoulder surgery to repair the torn labrum. Now we have heard, Uh, that he should be 100% ready to go by training camp. But I suppose that you could fudge around with that a little bit and put him on an IR type of situation for a little bit of time. I mean, maybe, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, I suppose that that's something that they could possibly consider. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go yet. I mean, what if Baker decides that he wants to come to training, you know, be at training camp every day. Because the one thing that I do know, and I've said this on this pod before, is that he's not going to do anything to jeopardize his fully guaranteed almost $19 million contract. So he's not going to put that in jeopardy. He's not going to do anything that could trigger uh, him to lose $1 of that money. So he will show up for training camp if he's still around and he'll go out there. And if they expect him to practice and take reps, alongside Deshaun and Jacoby and Josh Dobbs, then he'll do that. And I'm telling you, you know, stranger, you know, stranger things have happened and it would be weird, but if that's what they have to do, then that's what they all have to do. And they're just going to have to make it work.
1: All right. Let's talk about uh, a couple of running backs. This comes from Jimmy in New York, New York says, Hey, Mary Kay. There is a lot of talk about using Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at the same time to just overwhelm defenses. Kevin Stefanski and Stump Mitchell have chosen instead to use the running backs separately, keeping them fresh throughout the game. Uh, Now he goes through to to talk a little bit about Kevin Mack and Ernest Binder both having a thousand yards um, and their snap counts. uh, Didn't get a chance to look that up, but. Do you kind of like the approach that they're using for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, or would you like to see them on the field a little more together?
0: Well, it's not so much that I would want to see them on the field together, you know, running the wishbone or something like that. But you know, I think there are things that you can do. I would like to see them on the field together more with Kareem Hunt split out wide or in the slot and being used more as as a receiver. And I think with uh, the passing game. Uh, the increased focus on the passing game this season, I think that, you know, they can do some more of that and they should do more of that. I don't know why they never do. Uh, But I think there's a lot more to Kareem than he's been able to show. And I would get him out, you know, running some routes and doing some things in the, uh, in the shorter passing game. So, and I'm sure Deshaun would love to have him doing those kinds of things as well. So that's how I would do it. I would, uh, I would use Kareem and receive as a receiver in those situations, but have them, you know, use some creative motions and things like that. So you don't necessarily know which one of them might end up running the ball and sort of create that confusion between the run and the pass and keep the defense guessing as long as you can.
1: Yeah, I think Kareem, we talked about this a little bit in our top 20 players. He just he's so hard for a defensive coordinator to deal with because it's like if he comes on the field with Nick Chubb, you know, you're seeing that as whatever it is, 21 personnel or something, but you can't just throw out the personnel you would throw out there to defend typical 21, like, cause Kareem can carry the ball effectively. He's a good route runner and can catch the ball. You know, you don't want a linebacker on him. It's, it's just really complicated. You know, whereas like a guy like Demetric Felton, you know, this might, might change. We didn't get a lot, a lot to see with him this last year. I'm not real scared of him running the ball at this point. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going to look at that and say, okay, let's just make sure we have somebody that can cover him. Kareem's not like that. He's just, he's a different type of player to have out there. And not many teams have that as their second back.
0: Yeah. And, and you probably feel the same way I do. I would think that, uh, that there is more to him, that there should be more reps given to him, that uh, just the passion that he plays with, Uh, You know, I think there, you know, there are certain guys on the team that, you know, they just lay it all out there every single play and they just run through a wall every single down. And Jarvis was a player like that. And Kareem Hunt is a player like that. Uh, And so for those reasons, I do think that, you know, it would be nice to see more of those guys together on the field.
1: So I want to go back to the quarterback position because obviously the Browns, seem to have completed their quarterback room on Friday night when they signed uh, Josh Dobbs. And so they've got him, they have Jacoby Brissett, and they have uh, Deshaun Watson, of course. Uh, So Mickey from Florida says, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns learned from the Ravens, whose quarterback room mirrored each other's strengths and weaknesses by rebuilding their own room with guys who are fairly similar?
0: Absolutely, 100%. It's a copycat league. And I don't know if they necessarily did it because of the Ravens per se, Uh, but maybe other teams did something similar, but that's what they're doing here. It's pretty obvious. They know there's a chance that Deshaun Watson could miss the first couple of games, two, three, four, five, six. We don't know, Uh, but that he could be out for a little bit. And uh, in the event that he is, they want a seamless transition. So they're going, they want everybody pulling in the same direction. Uh, And when they build this offense around Deshaun Watson, that they can plug in either of those two guys whenever they need to, and you're going to have the same kind of skill set, not the same level of skill, but the same general skill sets. And you can utilize the dual threat ability. You can utilize uh, the bigger arms and different things like that. So uh, that's absolutely 100% what they had in mind. And you're right. I mean, the Ravens, uh, did it beautifully last year with um, with Lamar and Tyler Huntley and Tyler actually got an opportunity to show some people what he's all about and establish himself as a quarterback who has some decent potential in his own right. So yeah, that's where the Browns are going with this.
1: Yeah. I mean, these guys are all, and uh, Jacoby percent's a little bigger. Um, he's six. This is off his pro football reference page. He's six four two thirty five, 235 but Deshaun is six two two fifteen. 15, Dobbs, six three two sixteen. 216, by the way, a 2017 draft guy. And we know how Andrew has really kind of gravitated to some of those 2017 uh, draft guys. So, I mean, probably they probably put some time in on Dobbs during that draft because they were still looking for a quarterback at that time. That was, of course, the year when they, they passed on Mahomes and Watson and ended up taking Deshaun Kaiser. But I'm sure, you know, Dobbs was kind of a guy that a lot of people kind of liked in that draft as a late round pick. So I'm sure the Browns did a lot of work on him.
0: Absolutely, and as you mentioned, Dan, something uh, very nostalgic for for Andrew about that 2017 draft. They worked so hard on it, and it really was his first one, uh, you know, or one of his first ones where he was, you know, really at the top of the food chain in terms of being the talent evaluator, the head talent evaluator for the Browns. And they did have to look at quarterbacks, and they did have to do a lot of due diligence on those guys. So, absolutely, yes. Uh, I, I would say that, that he had his eye on him back then. And, and once again, and he, he played here, uh, in that dual game with Mason Rudolph that, that year at the end of whatever season that was. And, um, you remember that where they, they used
1: used him, uh, they, was that the miles? Was that the miles helmet game? I I do. I can't remember, or maybe it was the season finale. It was one of those, those games at first energy stadium. It might've been the season finale right um, in 2020
0: yeah where they kind of you know went the uh dual QB route when Mason was in there and I thought it was a really smart thing to do i actually think that teams don't do enough of that if you have somebody that can give you something different a little bit of a different skill set in fact i've said this many times before with lamar jackson if you think he has any deficiencies whatsoever in the passing game or in certain situations, and he's gotten a lot better at that over the years. Uh, but if you ever thought that you needed uh, a different look at quarterback on a certain down in a certain situation uh, that he doesn't necessarily excel at, then why not put somebody in there uh, that can get that job done? And then you have the best of both worlds. I always would have done that uh, with Lamar, but, uh, but you're right. That's what um, that they did that year with mason and josh jobs it'll be interesting to see how the browns decide to use him
1: yeah it's just you can kind of see the vision they that they have for for that quarterback room right now um as as they kind of put everything uh put everything together uh so let's move on to a couple questions about Jadavion Clowney uh as, as we kind of wait that situation out this comes from paul spencer also in new york city uh, hey, Mary Kay, Jadavian Clowney is one of those players, a little bit like Odell, who likes to work out on his own and isn't in any hurry to get with the team. If that's holding things up on a deal, might they be willing to work something out where he doesn't have to report as early as he might otherwise? And there was another question just kind of asking for a general timeline uh, with Jadavian, and if that's something that would maybe have to get wrapped up before the draft.
0: You know, you have to wonder with a player like Jadavian, and with the Browns having a, a good relationship with his agent if they don't have something already sort of worked out hey let us get some of these other things taken care of first let us let us maybe focus on the draft a little bit and you know we know what the plan is going to be and let's just kind of put it on the back burner there could be something like that going on i think they have a a sound enough relationship with canard mcguire jadavian's agent that they could work through something like that and who knows Maybe it's the same thing with Jarvis Landry. We haven't heard anything about Jarvis Landry with other teams or anything. So maybe the Browns have something up their sleeve where they have some things sort of worked out. Uh, it, it seems like they must, because I know they have been in contact with those agents.
1: Yeah, that was Scott from Columbus with that other question. I mean, Jadavion just kind of works. And the Browns know this, right? I mean, like, like you mentioned, they have a good relationship with that agent, but they know Jadavian really well too. And yeah. he just, he just kind of, Works on his own schedule, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just sort of, he's going to do things on his time.
0: Yeah. And the thing about that is that Andrew Barry has liked him well enough over the last, at least two years. Now we're going into the third season of them trying to wrap up Jadavian Clowney. They like him enough that for them, he's worth the wait, and he's worth whatever it takes for him to get his comfort level, uh, to, you know, to get signed on the dotted line. So I think they feel like, you know, they hope it works out. If it doesn't work out, I'm sure they have a plan B and maybe a plan C, uh, but I think they're willing to wait for him.
1: Okay. We have some draft questions here uh, and some other need questions. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll get to some of those. And we are back on the orange and Brown talk podcast. So. This comes from Paul uh, in Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina. He says, hey, Mary Kay, there's a lot of talk about Brown's draft needs, but isn't there a gaping hole in the interior of the defensive line that needs to be addressed either through the draft or free agency? So it's an interesting question because today I was actually looking at some interior defensive guys. Uh, that could be there at 44. There's Logan Hall in Houston. Um, I was looking uh, at, at some other guys that could be available as well. Uh, Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma could be interesting. There's some interior guys they could go to, but you know, Mary Kay, I know you've talked a little bit about Tommy Togiai and maybe him getting more of an opportunity. Jordan Elliott is still on the roster as well. I guess, do you think the Browns go that direction or maybe lean in that direction of giving the guys they have a bigger chance, or could they be aggressive and use that number 44 pick if the right guy's there?
0: I think they could. I think they could draft a defensive tackle at number 44 overall. And you mentioned a few names there of some really good defensive tackles that could be available depending on how that first round shakes out and the early part of the second round. And there will be some good ones, as we know, that will go in the first round, but there should be some left over in the second round, and especially if this defensive tackle that we're talking about can get a nice push up the middle. If he has rush ability, that will make him more valuable. Also, if he can bounce to the outside, uh, they really like that about their guys too, when they can be versatile enough to do that. And there are some, you mentioned a couple that that can do those sorts of things. And uh, so, yes, I think it's definitely a position to look at uh, with number 44, or maybe with their third round pick. I do think they'll add at least one good defensive tackle out of this draft. Uh, And then I I suppose there's a chance they could find one somewhere in free agency as well. There are a few left. Um, But uh, I do think that they do like Tommy Togiai, and they hope he can step up when they draft, as we all know by now. They don't just, they're not looking necessarily for next year they are looking two and three years down the road. And so we have a tendency sometimes, I think, to forget about these young draft picks, especially the third, fourth, fifth rounders, just sort of like think, oh, well, they didn't turn out to be anything. Well, no, they're waiting really until their second year uh, to let them really pop. And part of the reason for that is too, because they have a pretty full roster right now. I mean, the starting lineups, are pretty much set at most positions. And so it's not easy at most spots to just go ahead and crack the lineup. You have to wait your turn. Uh, But now there are some openings at defensive tackle, and it is a chance for Tommy Togiai to show what he can do. It is a chance for Jordan Elliott to step up and say, you know what, I am worth my third round status. Uh, So they have some plans there. Also, I think we've figured out by now that they don't necessarily view it as a position where they want to spend a super high draft pick on it. Or a ton of money. Again, unless you're getting like an Aaron Donald and the guy's going to go out and have nine sacks, uh, I don't think they view it as one of their positions of super high priority.
1: Yeah, that, that's sort of what I've been debating. Like that number 44 pick is at least currently their most important draft asset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's obviously not a first rounder, but we almost should maybe view it as a first rounder. Like that's their best shot to either move up and get a player or just get a player that they they view as a first rounder who maybe falls. And I do wonder, like, are they really going to love a defensive tackle as much as a receiver or an edge rusher? Or, I, you know, maybe it's just going to be that that tackle is the best available player, but that's sort of where I'm, I guess I'm torn. If there is a guy that seems like a good fit there, but th- like you said, I don't know if they value that position all that much.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, my gut instinct would be that they wouldn't, probably want to necessarily use their top pick in this draft on a defensive tackle. Why? Because I think they view that as a position where you could go find one somewhere. You're like, you don't have to use your top pick in this year's draft to get a guy that can get the job done for you in the middle of your defense. Now, defensive end? Yes. Pass rushing defensive end? 100%. But unless your defensive tackle that you see still there has that rush ability that sort of guaranteed opportunity to be getting to the quarterback on a regular basis i think they sort of feel like oh yeah we can you know we can go out and we can find a you know malik jackson from last year malik mcdowell from last year plug them in and get the job done
1: yeah i don't think they want like a run stuffer (laughs) you know i don't think they want a guy that's just going to Take up space. I think that if they do draft a defensive tackle, it's got to be a guy. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned versatility. It's got to be a guy that can create pressure. I don't. I don't think they're that concerned about having just you know some big guy in the middle, who's some Ted Washington in the middle that's just going to stand there and, and take up space or, or something like that. Uh, okay, another draft question. This comes from Bob Gillespie in Villa Hills, Kentucky, and he wants to give away Browns draft picks. Hey, Mary Kay how many of the seven draft picks the Browns have this year have a realistic chance of making the team? What would you think about the logic of trading up? And he suggests trading a whole bunch of picks to maybe just make two picks uh, using all their picks this year to get two impact players. Uh, But even just generally, what are your views on, on kind of selling out this draft a little bit to move up and get a guy?
0: Well, I think you can do that. I think it would be worth moving back into the first round to get one of the better defensive linemen or one of the better receivers. I think that would make a lot of sense. I mean, you're not going to do it by trading your sixth and seventh round picks, but uh, I do think that you could package some things and, and try to move up. You might have to throw something in from next year as well. Um, but, you know, I mean, there are spots on the team where you could use some depth. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I do think that they should seriously consider uh, using one of their picks on a kicker. If there's a good enough kicker out there, by all means, use one of those picks, because uh, as you mentioned, there are so many good guys on defensive defense right now and both sides of the ball that it will be hard for uh, some of these draft picks to make the team. Once again, having said that they are drafting for next year and the year after as well.
1: OK, this comes from Shannon from Lake Charles. It goes back to Deshaun Watson and his situation. And it is based off of you know, obviously the, the info that has come out that uh, they are not going to have, you know, these civil cases aren't going to be played out during the season. He's he's going to be able to, to play during the season unless he's suspended. So Shannon's question is, hey, Mary Kay if Watson is not suspended this year due to this, will the attention continue to wane as it sort of has over the last couple of weeks? Or do you expect protests all year outside the stadiums? And the reason I I wanted to ask this one is there is the potential for a distraction, right? And, you know, we don't want to just boil this situation down to being a football distraction, but that's kind of what this question is getting at. How do you think the Browns will manage that as it goes along? Because I'm sure there will be, protests in Cleveland, there might be protests on the road. How do the Browns kind of manage their way through that? It's it's essentially what they signed up for.
0: It is exactly what they signed up for. Uh, I think that they are prepared and bracing themselves for those kinds of things. Uh, That stuff is not going to go away until at least all of those civil suits are, are settled. And as of right now, Deshaun Watson does not intend to settle them. We'll see how that goes as time goes on. If it becomes uh, a true distraction and the team just doesn't want to be dealing with that, I suppose that they could try to sit down with his representatives, with his team and say, we understand how you feel, why you're trying to do this, why you want to clear your name, but this is dragging you through the mud and everybody else through the mud uh, more than anybody wants to be. So maybe it would be best for all involved uh, if you just settled these suits and everyone can then. Uh, move on. But I will tell you this, I spent a lot of time over the past three or four days just kind of out and about in the community. And there are still a lot of hard feelings about this move that they made. Now, I'm not saying that it's, you know, 90% against and 10% for, I would have to say it's probably somewhere more like 60-40, 64, 40 against, maybe 55 you know, 45, something like that. Um, but there, there is still a large segment of the fan base in Cleveland that is uncomfortable with what the Browns are doing right now. They're uncomfortable. And maybe, as, as you said, as time goes on, uh, those feelings might start to dissipate a little bit. But if you start to, if you continue to hear things and see things and details come out uh, of the lawsuits or things start, you know, going to trial, uh, again, they're not supposed to be able to go to trial before August 1st. I don't know that anything would happen before then. Uh, But if things continue uh, to make news and headlines, then, um, you know, then it does refresh it in the minds of people. And it does prolong just moving on to football. So I don't know. I, I mean, you've probably been out and about too. And I, maybe you can share your experience, but I still feel like Uh, There are a lot of people that are still trying to come with to grips with this.
1: Yeah, there there are still people really wrestling with this for sure, whether they've just said they're done or they just aren't sure or, you know, people have seen or talked to. But I mean, you know, look, I mean, just from a, you know, a, a perspective of people that consume our content, we've had people who have basically said they're unsubscribing because it's not that they don't like what we're doing, but they just aren't going to root for the Browns anymore. I mean, we've, Mm -hmm. we've seen things like that. So I, I don't think this goes away. I mean, even if they settled the cases tomorrow, I don't think it would completely go away, but it would at least, I guess, allow them to move on and focus on football, which eventually as we've seen in other cases, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Kobe the other other cases like this it does begin to fade when when you put that stuff behind you whether you know not that that's right not that that's the way it should be but that is the way it tends to go
0: yes it absolutely does and that's why uh you know I'm very curious to see how long Deshaun Watson sticks to his guns and says I'm innocent and I am not going to admit anything other than that and uh you know Will he get, you know, sort of broken down by, you know, the, the fallout from all of this and, you know, the backlash from all of this? Was it what he expected? Was it what the Browns expected? Is it worse? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, I mean, we'll start to know because on April 19th, he will be here for the start of the offseason program. And, you know, we will be talking to players, not necessarily him again right away. I mean, they might just kind of, you know, tuck him away for a little while in terms of just media availability. Um, but other players will be asked about it. Uh, players from other teams will be asked about it, I'm sure. So, um, so, yeah, it's not going away anytime soon. And I do happen to know of a lot of people that have told me uh, that they're kind of done. Now, will they stay done? I don't know but that's the initial reaction of a number of people that I've talked to. All
1: right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Let's go back to the lighter side here from the two Oh three area code Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, how will the ball be distributed to all the different offenses, offensive weapons in this revised offense? How do you see the run pass ratio?
0: Well, I think that they will pass the ball more than they have in the first couple of years under Kevin Stefanski. That's what happens when you spend all that money on Deshaun Watson, and he's got an arm like that. And he, you know, he has that incredible arm talent to be able to get the ball anywhere to anyone all over the field. So I definitely think that you will see uh, an increase in passing reps and a little bit of a decrease in the run game. But uh, having said that, let's remember that this still is the AFC North. And when you get into November and December and January in any of these cities around here, uh, that you're going to need your running game. Nobody knows that better than Deshaun Watson. He played here in that game where his wings were clipped by the wind. Uh, So they're still going to need to have a robust running game. And I think that the idea for them is going to be that they're going to have the ball enough on offense uh, that there, there should be enough reps to go around for everyone. There should be enough runs for Nick Chubb to get, uh, you know, there should be enough passes to distribute the ball to all of their, uh, top pass catchers. So I think that's probably the, the thinking.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't think Nick Chubb is going to complain about lack of carries. He, he tends to find a way to maximize that stuff anyway. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it does feel a little bit like they're set up to be a little more balanced. They have Amari Cooper. He's kind of their clear number one guy. We'll see who ends up at number two. If Jarvis comes back, if they draft someone, it just feels like there's maybe a little more of a pecking order, which isn't a bad thing. And, and they're going to be able to try to do some different things. And um, I, again, I don't, I don't think there's going to be anybody that really complains Deshaun is going to spread the ball around. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to run the ball. And by the way, they might have some big leads in these games. So that's, that's when running backs really can kind of get fat a little bit when they get to run the ball, as we saw back in 2020, right? When they have the lead and they can just pound the ball in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah. And, and you look exactly. And then, and you look at a team, you know, like the Bengals and, you know, there, there were plenty of opportunities uh, for Joe Mixon to run the ball and for Joe Burrow to still feed all of his good receivers. And, you know, in addition to uh, Jamar chase. So, Uh, The chances will be there. I think David Njoku will will get his opportunities, especially in the red zone. I think Nick will be able to run the ball. I think they'll stay on offense a lot and have uh, plenty of chances and, and plenty of reps for everybody. So I think it'll go okay.
1: Okay, there we go. Our uh, Hey, Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I mentioned it earlier. If you missed our top 20 players or if you missed our Joe Thomas interview, uh, go check out our podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Get subscribed so you don't miss these podcasts moving forward. uh, We had a pretty good week of podcasts last week. So you want to go back and listen to those uh, and make sure you're getting these future ones. And of course, we got these questions from our Football Insider subscribers. So just go to Cleveland.com slash Browns Blue Banner at the top of the page to get info get signed up and become one of our text subscribers as well. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds
0: great.